Chapter 18 of Haste and Waste, The Young Pilot of Lake Champlain by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 18 Ten Thousand in Gold. It was fortunate for Lawry that he was able to sleep well in the midst of the excitement in which he lived. Otherwise, his bodily frame must have yielded to the pressure to which it was subjected. He did not wake till seven the next morning which invigorated his powers and prepared him for the duties of another day as soon as he turned out he went up to see his mother and gave her a hundred dollars of the money he had earned reserving the balance for the expenses of the boat at nine mr sherwood and his party came on board it had been his intention to visit ticonderoga but business letters which he found waiting his arrival the evening before compelled him to change his destination to burlington just before the party appeared ben wilford had been seen lounging about the wharf he had complained bitterly to his mother of the treatment he had received from lawry and did not seem to be conscious that he had ever been engaged in a base and mean conspiracy against the peace and happiness of the whole family mrs wilford had spoken plainly to him which had only increased his irritation the little steamer was a sore trial to him for she was the indication of lawry's prosperity ben had fully persuaded himself into the belief that he and not lawry ought to be captain of the woodville she was a family affair and he could not regard his brother as the actual owner of her he had imagination enough to understand and appreciate the pleasure of being in command of such a fine craft his conspiracy had signally failed in his own choice phrase mr sherwood carried too many guns for him and it was useless to contend against money the envious brother had so far progressed in his views as to believe that a subordinate position in the woodville was better than no position at all he had heard of the fine times the parties had on board of her of the splendid dinners and the inspiring music and he was very anxious to have a situation in her he was afraid of mr sherwood and dared not again take his place boldly on board at a favorable moment when lawry and the deck hands were employed on the after part of the deck he slipped down the plank and into the forecastle concealing himself in the berth of one of the firemen this trick might ensure him a passage with the excursion party if nothing more when the ladies and gentlemen had all arrived the boat left the wharf and commenced her voyage down the lake after she had gone a couple of miles ben wilford came out of his hiding-place and proceeded directly to the wheelhouse feeling that he had nothing to fear from his kind-hearted brother and hoping to conciliate him before mr sherwood discovered that he was on board he entered the open door of the wheelhouse as coolly as though he belonged there ben exclaimed the little captain when he saw him i didn't know you were on board i didn't mean you should till i got ready replied ben i don't know as mr sherwood will like it when he sees you added lawry if you like it he will i'm sure i've no objection to your going with me i knew you hadn't but the steamer belongs to mr sherwood to-day don't you want some help lawry mother thinks you are working rather too hard i don't think i shall hurt myself answered lawry laughing and he was really pleased to find ben in such good humor i don't see that you can help me any 
I can steer. So can rounds, replied Lawry, referring to the deckhand whom he called to the wheel when he left his post. Lawry, you are my brother, ain't you? Of course I am. And I am your brother, am I not? Without a doubt you are. Then there are two good reasons why we should not quarrel. I'm very sure I don't wish to quarrel, Ben, added Lawry earnestly. And I'm as just as sure I don't, continued Ben. This is a splendid little boat, and we might make a first-rate thing of it. I still think I ought to be captain of her, but I won't quarrel about that now. I'll take any place you have a mind to give me. This was certainly very kind and condescending on the part of the elder brother, after what had occurred. And Lawry really felt happy in the excellent spirit which Ben appeared to manifest. You might give me a chance as mate, if you like, added Ben, as he perceived the smile on his brother's face. I will speak to Mr. Sherwood about it. What do you want to speak to him for? Don't you own this boat? I do, but he has been very kind to me, and I want to take his advice when I can. I wish you hadn't got into that scrape the other day. What scrape? Why, causing the boat to be attached for father's debts. I didn't mean anything by it, Lawry, answered Ben in apologetic tones. You must acknowledge that you provoked me to it. How, Ben? I can't get it out of my head that I ought to be captain of this boat. I think it would be a good deal better for you, Lawry. Just look at it one minute. You are a pilot, and you have to leave the wheel to see to everything on board. You ought to have nothing to do but to navigate the steamer, while I, as captain, could take the money, see to the dinners, and keep the deck and cabins in good order. We get along very well, replied Lawry. But it will wear you out in a month. Mother is afraid you will kill yourself running the boat night and day. If you were captain, I should have to be in the wheelhouse all the time just the same. Well, I don't insist on it, Lawry, replied Ben, with becoming meekness. I was only saying what would be best for all concerned. I will talk with Mr. Sherwood. Whatever you say, he will agree to. Now give me the wheel, Lawry, and you go and see your passengers. Ben took hold of the wheel, and the young pilot involuntarily released his grasp on the spokes. The older brother was certainly in a very amiable frame of mind, and it was perfectly proper to encourage him. But there was no more need of a mate than there was of another captain. Rounds, as the older of the two deckhands, now performed the duties of that office. There was no freight to be received and discharged, which the mate superintends and there was nothing for him to do but attend to the gangplank and the mooring lines, and see that the decks were washed down when required. Lawry was not quite willing to leave the wheel in charge of his brother, for he was painfully conscious that he could not always be trusted. Ben was not often in so pliable a frame of mind, and the little captain could not help suspecting that he had some object in view, which was not apparent, for he had twice declared that if he was not captain of the Woodville, no one should be. He was not prepared to believe that Ben would run the boat on the rocks or set her on fire, but he deemed it prudent to keep his eye on him, and on the course of the steamer. Ben steered very well, and Lawry left the wheelhouse. At the door he met Mr. Sherwood, just as that gentleman had discovered who was at the helm. "'How's this, Lawry? Have you got more help?' asked his friend. "'I didn't know Ben was on board till we were two miles from the wharf.' I hope you don't object, sir. Certainly not, Lawry. If you are satisfied, I have no reason to be otherwise. Ben talks very fair this morning, 
and I'm sure I don't want to quarrel with him. Of course not. He still thinks he ought to be captain, and that it would be better for me, said Lawry, stating his brother's argument. That's all very pretty, replied Mr. Sherwood. If you wish to give your brother the command of your steamer, it is not for me to interpose any objection. But I want to follow your advice. I think you had better let things remain as they are, for the present at least. Do as you think best, Lawry. I don't want to influence you. This conversation took place near the door of the wheelhouse, and though the parties had not so intended, Ben heard every word of it. Do as you think best, Lawry, continued Mr. Sherwood. I want to do what you think is best, sir. You know my opinion. Your brother's habits, I am sorry to say it, are not good. I should not be willing to trust him. You cannot place much confidence in a young man who is in the habit of getting drunk. I don't want to hurt your feelings, Lawry, but I must be frank with you. Ben ground his teeth with rage as he listened to this plain description of himself, and, in accordance with his usual practice in such cases, vowed to be revenged upon the man who had traduced him, which was his interpretation of Mr. Sherwood's candid statement of the truth. I think you are right, sir, replied Lawry, realizing that Ben was not fit for the command of the Woodville, even if he was disposed to give it to him. Lawry, I have been compelled to change this excursion into a partial business trip. I'm going to buy the surplus gold of a bank in Burlington, and you must leave me there and go on to Port Kent. On your return, you can stop for me, continued Mr. Sherwood. What is your engagement for tomorrow? At Whitehall, sir. Capital! You can convey my gold through so that I can take the morning train at Whitehall for New York. If we get back to Port Rock by six, we can reach Whitehall by twelve. Well, that is sooner than I wish to arrive, added Mr. Sherwood thoughtfully. I shall have ten thousand dollars in gold with me, which, at the present rate, is worth about twenty-five thousand dollars in currency. It would be a great temptation to any rogues who might find out the specie was on board. How would it do to start from Port Rock at midnight? It will do just as well, sir. Then I shall reach Whitehall just in time for the train. But, Lawry, I see that you must have another pilot on board. I think I can get along, sir. You will wear yourself out. You have run a portion of the last two nights, and this arrangement will make the third. I can sleep just as well at Port Rock as at Whitehall. Tomorrow will be Saturday, and my engagements for Monday and Tuesday are at the upper end of the lake, so that I shall have no more night work at present. I can stand it well enough. I'm afraid it will be too much for you, but if you have to engage an extra pilot, you must raise your price to $60 a day. I think we shall need another engineer at the same time. Ethan has just as hard a time of it as I do. You had better raise your price. People will not object. I was thinking, sir, that Ben would make a good pilot. He is a good wheelman, and it wouldn't take him long to learn the courses on the lake. Mr. Sherwood shook his head. Would you be willing to trust him with the boat? Go to sleep yourself while he is at the helm? asked he. I think I would, after he had learned the navigation. He is your brother, Lawry, and I don't like to say anything to wound you. But I feel that your brother is not a reliable person. You must be very prudent. Even a trifling accident, resulting from mismanagement, might ruin your business. For people will not expose their lives needlessly. If Ben will run the ferry the rest of the year, keep sober, and behave well in every respect, you might make a pilot of him, 
or even captain another season doubtless this was good advice and the little captain had so much confidence in his friend and benefactor that he could not help adopting it mr sherwood went into the cabin again without any conversation with the subject of his severe but just comments lawry was on the point of leaving the hurricane deck where he had talked with his adviser when he noticed that the boat was headed toward the shore and in a moment more would be aground in the shallow water off barbara's point he rushed into the wheelhouse and found that ben had abandoned the helm grasping the wheel the pilot brought her up to her course and then turned to his brother what do you mean ben by leaving the wheel demanded lawry filled with indignation at his brother's treachery don't talk to me growled ben the boat would have been aground in a minute more i wish she was what's the matter ben i thought you were my brother but you are not i'm sorry to hear you talk so and i didn't think you would do so mean a thing as to run the boat ashore i'll do anything now i heard what sherwood said to you and what you said to him i didn't think you would let any man talk about your brother as he did do you suppose i would let any man talk up like that about my brother i'll bet i wouldn't i'd knock him over before the words were out of his mouth why what did he say ben what did he say didn't you hear what he said didn't he tell you i was a drunken fellow and couldn't be trusted well he certainly did replied lawry moodily and you heard him and you didn't say a word said ben furiously what could i say when mr sherwood spoke only what i know is true then you think i'm a drunken fellow and can't be trusted demanded ben with an injured look don't you drink too much sometimes no i don't i drink what i want but no one ever saw me the worse for liquor who says i can't be trusted when i gave you the wheel at your own request you left it and the boat would have been ashore in another minute does that look as though you could be trusted added lawry that was because you wouldn't trust me i was mad one who would expose the lives of twenty or thirty persons when he got mad ought not to be trusted lawry you are no longer my brother you and your mother and sherwood here have been trying to put me down and make a nobody of me you can't do it i'm your enemy now you have made me mad and you must take the consequences i'll burn or smash this boat the first chance i get as for sherwood i'll teach him to talk about me the angry young man rushed out of the wheelhouse if mr sherwood had heard his insane threats he would probably have insisted that he should be immediately put on shore but lawry did not think his brother capable of the madness of malice his speech indicated he was in a passion and when he cooled off he would be reasonable again ben sat down on the forecastle where the pilot could see him and nursed his wrath till the woodville arrived at burlington he was in deep thought all the time and did not heed the singing or other amusements of the party on board who were engaging themselves to the utmost apparently with no perception of his own faults and shortcomings he regarded himself as a deeply injured young man his mother and his brother had turned against him and were persecuting him to the best of their ability he had come on board to gain his purpose by conciliation he had failed and in his own view there was nothing left for him but revenge the boat touched the burlington 
and to the great relief of Lawry, his brother followed Mr. Sherwood on shore. At three o'clock, the Woodville returned from Port Kent with the happy excursionists. While the steamer lay at the wharf waiting for Mr. Sherwood, many persons, moved by curiosity to inspect the beautiful craft, came aboard, and whenever she stopped, she had plenty of visitors of this description. Among them, Lawry saw his brother, accompanied by two men, who, from the remarks they made, were evidently familiar with the machinery and appointments of steamers. Mr. Sherwood presently appeared, attended by a bank messenger, with the precious coin he had purchased at 2.44, the telegraphic quotation from New York for that day. "'Where shall I put this gold, Captain Lawry?' asked Mr. Sherwood. "'I don't know, sir. I'm really afraid of it,' replied the captain nervously. "'Can't you carry it in your pockets?' It weighs about thirty-seven pounds, laughed Mr. Sherwood. I will lock it up in my stateroom. I sh shall sleep on board to-night, and it will be safe enough after we leave the wharf, for no one but you and me knows there is any specie on board. The man of gold went aft with the coin, which was contained in two bags. I suppose I can go home with you, can't I, Lawry? asked Ben, as the little captain started for the wheelhouse. Lawry could not refuse this request, though his brother was evidently a little excited by the liquor he had drank. He hoped Ben had not heard anything about the treasure on board, for he feared that revenge, if not dishonesty, might prompt him to commit a crime. The visitors were warned ashore, and the Woodville departed for Port Rock, where she arrived at about six o'clock. The excursion party went on shore after the usual compliments to the steamer and her commander. Now, Lawry, I must go up to the house for my valise, but I will return in an hour, said Mr. Sherwood, whose carriage was waiting for him at the head of the wharf. But the gold, sir, whispered Lawry anxiously. You or Ethan may watch the stateroom till I return, if you please, but there is no danger here. You must turn in at once, Lawry, so as not to lose your sleep. I shall be gone four or five days this time, and I must go home after some clean clothes. Very well. I will get Ethan to keep his eye on the stateroom, replied Mr. Sherwood, and Lawry ran up to the cottage. Ethan, who had ordered the fires to be banked in furnaces, and was letting off the superfluous steam, consented to watch the room containing the gold. Rounds, the deckhand, and the first fireman turned in, that they might be ready for duty at midnight, when the boat would start for Whitehall. End of chapter 18